0: This is episode 20 of the Rising Man Podcast with Leon Ruri. Choose life. What's up, familia? Welcome back to the Rising Man Podcast. I'm your host and the creator of this show, Jetty Azuma. And man, we are right in the thick of June, rolling up on the summer solstice, and it's, it's starting to get hot out here in Santa Barbara depending on where you're listening from, I don't know what time of year it is or what season you're in, but the summertime is always my favorite. And in addition to rolling into summer, we're also coming up on the 3 month anniversary of the Rising Man podcast. Yes, I know. I can hardly believe it myself that it's already been 3 months and only been 3 months since we first launched that first episode back in March. But here we are, and so many amazing things have happened since then. Episode 20 right now, we're celebrating 20 episodes of the Rising Man podcast. This is huge, and it's already become more than I had dreamed of when this idea first came up last year. So, so grateful to all of you guys, as I say every time, who have been listening to every episode, those of you who are just tuning in, just beginning to catch the rise, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on board. In the month of June, if you guys haven't noticed already, we're doing something special. I've been popping out a bonus episode every Monday, simply to celebrate fatherhood. Yes, we're celebrating the fathers out there, every one of you. Even if you don't have a biological child, we're celebrating you because we know that fathering is about a lot more than just having a child. And there are many ways to father men, father boys, father children all over the world. So happy to have had so many amazing men come on and show up as fathers in my life And so we're giving back this month, especially to all of you guys who would like to hear a little bit more about fathers, fatherhood and the challenges we face. So if you guys haven't noticed, haven't been checking them out, check out the special Monday episodes that have been popping up. And also, if you guys are not yet a part of the Rising Man Facebook group, please stop what you're doing. Open up that Facebook app or go to facebook.com slash groups slash the rising man. Get yourself involved today and if you're already in there, invite a couple buddies. and Invite a couple of your brothers because this is where it's really going down. We're over 600 strong now and the movement and the momentum is just beginning to get going. So Last, before I get into the amazing guests that we have for today, I want to reach out to you guys again. I've been getting so many more messages and notes in my inbox, specifically on Facebook Messenger since I started mentioning this, that if you're one of those men out there who are listening to the podcast and you still feel lost, you still feel alone, you don't quite know where to go in your life because the challenges you're facing are something that you've never faced before. I want you guys to reach out to me. I've had some amazing conversations with men just through Facebook Messenger, a couple via email. And like I said on a couple episodes ago, sometimes you just need to adjust one or two things to get yourself right back on track. Specifically with this episode that we have coming up here today about depression and suicide, I know that there's a lot of you guys who are listening to my voice right now who feel alone, who feel like you don't know what to do. Who Even if it's not depression or suicide, you just aren't getting the satisfaction you want out of your life. Stop what you're doing. Send me a message on Facebook Messenger or hit me up jettiazuma at gmail.com. I'll have a conversation with you. We'll set something up. We'll figure out what the next step is for you to keep moving forward in your life. Because that's the vision, guys. Every single man on this planet living a vision and purpose that aligns with who he truly is. That's what we're here to do. All right, I'm fired up now. Let me introduce my guest for today. Today's guest is a man by the name of Leon Ruri. He's a man from down under. After surviving his own long battle with depression, suicidal thoughts, and his personal rock bottom, Leon has transformed into an advocate for men's mental health issues. And mental health issues in general, but specifically for men. As the founder and creator of When Men Speak and Haka for Life, these are both organizations that both tackle men's mental health issues and well-being, specifically depression and suicide. As Leon likes to say, when, I, when he walks in the room, suicide disappears. Uh, Leon is a New Zealander, or Kiwi, as they call themselves, who lives in Australia, um, and he also has Maori roots, which he has connected to in his adult life in order to discover the ancient and powerful practice of the haka, which I'll let him explain more on this episode. But a few of the things that we talked about in this episode are the importance of bringing humor into life. Nobody, and I mean nobody like my Aussie fellas, can bring humor into a room like these guys, it's, it's, it's just incredible and, and Leon embodies that spirit on this episode. We also discussed why and how you can begin to choose life over the darkness that shows up because we know that that is something that all men face. We all have dark moments in our lives and that's when it's most critical to align with the vision and choose your life over the darkness. Leon shares his own story of hitting rock bottom about drugs and depression and gambling basically everything in the book Leon has been through or seen so really powerful for those of you guys who might be able to relate to his story we also talked about what it looks like inside the mind of a depressed man now I don't know if everybody who's listening has actually experienced depression but if you have like myself you know what it's like to feel like you're stuck in your life and he really does a good job of, ex- of explaining and describing what it feels like so maybe if you don't know you're depressed Here's an opportunity to hear someone else's words of what that feels like. We also talked about the beauty and strength of a fully expressed man. You guys who have been following me and following this podcast for a while know how important that is to me. So uh, the beauty and strength of a man who can speak his truth in the world. Mm, So, so good. And last, we talked about how to use the haka and other rituals to help men awaken their masculine power. But I'm gonna stop talking now. I'm gonna let Leon explain all of this beautiful magic in his own amazing, Kiwi Australian way. Without further ado, I present to you, Leon Ruri. All right, Leon, my brother from down under. Man, you know what? I just realized you're the first person on this show from Australia.
1: How do you like that? Um, well, hey, that's, that's awesome. I'm blessed to be here. And I'm not even from Australia. <laughs> that's how you go. There you go. I'm from across the ditch, as they say down here in the land down under. I'm from New Zealand originally, but I've lived in Australia for 24 years. But I'm honored, and that's kind of one-up I'm so proud that I'm a Kiwi living in Australia and I'm the first one from Australia on the show so
0: that's awesome <laughs> awesome man my apologies for not getting that right but either way those are all firsts on this show so thank you for being here man and um you know we we connected very organically just a few weeks ago I was so inspired by that video that I saw and we'll get into more about the Haka later and when what you're doing with Haka for life Um, but it was just so compelling to see the message that you were bringing into this world about men, specifically men, who are going through suicidal thoughts and and just suffering in this silence. So I'm really looking forward to tapping into your wisdom on this subject and, and hearing about what you think we can do to help men all over the world who are dealing with these issues.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited too, brother, to be honest. And I love the creation of conversations like this. So I've got no idea what this conversation holds, but I'm absolutely up for being fully self-expressed, uh, being authentic and, and sharing from the heart because it was something that I couldn't do at one stage of my life. And I saw the impact and the effects that that had on me and had on others in my life, and those ones close to me. So it's it's great. I always get excited when we can create conversations like this, so let's roll, brother.
0: All right, let's do it. Well, let's start off here, man. And I want to ask you for a definition here, a distinction. What do you think is the difference between a boy and a man?
1: Oh, The difference between a boy and a man. I think life experience, it comes down to decisions that we make uh, as we get older, that we transition from a boy into a man, I suppose, as society sees us. Really, I think we remain that boy all our lives, that there's so much a part of me, even though I'm defined as a man and people would look at me physically and say, hey, you're a man, but I'm still that boy underneath all of this and I'm still that human being I think it like I say it comes from learning things in life where you traverse through life and you make decisions that you may not have made as a boy but ultimately I believe they're still the one being
0: mm-hmm. I love that answer man It actually makes me really excited to hear that answer coming from you who have been you know born in New Zealand you know living in Australia that culture that part of the world we're getting the same response from there as we are from other men who have been on the show in the Western world. So that that level of it is really exciting for me. And, you know, first of all, shout out to my Aussies. Right before we started this recording, I was telling you how much I love you guys. I love your humor. I love how good you guys are at keeping it light and, and always having a smile on your face. Like even right now, I can see that big grin on your face, Leon. So I'm listening to what you said. And you said that the boy always lives in us. You know, that, that, that we never, even though we look like a man, we always have a boy in us. So tell me a little bit about how Australian culture, Aussie culture has embraced this perpetual boy or or how how men down under embrace their boy and keep it alive as time goes on.
1: Oh, look, it can be positive and negative in the way that we embrace our culture for, for a lot of Aussie men and, and New Zealand men. They're probably referred to as ones that don't ever grow up and they can have traits that can take us a long time to mature into uh, you know, with the decisions that I suppose when we look at the things that I'm passionate about when it comes around the suicide and, and the impact on men, in some ways that's a beautiful thing because we have that boy like side of us where we're always up for fun and, and we're always up to expressing ourselves. And there's the other side of life where, hey, when the challenges come in life, we don't know how to be not be a boy. Mm and to try and transition into being a man and to look at things differently can be a really, really hard and uncomfortable sort of situation for us to be in, to be able to express ourselves. So it's um, it's something that's definitely at times a positive and sometimes can be maybe a negative depending on what situation it's in. But um, I think a lot of it comes down to our life experience too. I mean, uh, you know, in the, our culture down here, we're pretty lighthearted. we take things kind of as they are, which can be really, really good. We're, you know, people that um, embrace close to sports and, and to the beach. That, that's the whole lifestyle here in Australia and, and very connected to those sorts of things in life. And I think in some ways, even though it's, it's something that we cherish as as a part of our culture, on another level when we, you know, when you talk about this question from being a boy to a man, there's, there's some times in life, that, which I'm finding personally where I can't It doesn't apply for me to be a boy in a situation where I need to look at it as a man. And so, you know, I think the lightheartedness, we always look at the funny side of life and no matter the situation, um, have a laugh. Never lose your sense of humour is a great thing, no matter what challenges you're going through. So, I mean, that part of it, we can really look, be inappropriate at times, maybe, you know, could be referred to laugh at a funeral or... (laughs) <laughs> you know, things like where people may be serious and you kind of look at the lighthearted side of life, which I quite enjoy because, you know, sometimes I think that's the whole challenge of men when we're, we can bring so much meaning um, and so much significance to life at times, but you just need to laugh, man. Yeah. And sometimes you just gotta just laugh at where life is and where it isn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that actually is, is a nice segue into this dialogue about suicide and depression and anxiety because, you know, if somebody is really connected to their humor and to their lighthearted nature, I don't believe that they find themselves in the dark hole of depression, the way some other people do. <clears throat> and certainly there's people who are severely depressed and can laugh their way past it or kind of hide it behind laughter. So you never you don't know exactly what someone's feeling unless they take off their mask and open up their heart. But it sounds to me like, at least I've always believed that humor is a nice antidote or medicine for that depression and the lightheartedness like you said taking things as they are and not being so serious and not putting so much meaning on our lives can help lead us out of that depression I know that's that's what it was like for me when I was in states like that as a younger man
1: yeah you're right you're right uh, we're bringing so much significance one thing that I've learned recently through my being seen a kinesiologist and she said to me look when, when life is getting serious put a marker in, in your mind that hey just laugh just laugh and, and you know just realize how enjoyable life is. Don't bring significance to it. When you're talking about the fact that we're in depression and, and humor is a good medicine, I remember a day when I got a phone call from work and I had to go to a house and, and a man wanted to commit suicide. And, and it was a really full on situation. I, I got to the house and and he was at the front of the house with his wife and he, he had the rope in the car. He, he was out, all bets were off. I'm checking out, I'm done fully set in his mind. I was able to talk to him at the front of the house and then we were able to get inside and, you know, we had a conversation and he continuously said to me, I don't care what you say to me, I'm going to kill myself. I'm done. He had three teenage sons who were in the house and could hear what was going on. And his wife was in there, obviously listening to the conversation as well. And we're in his kitchen. And he kept saying this for, you know, for a couple of hours. I'm done. My life is over. As soon as you walk out of here, I'm going to do it. And it was at that time, I mean, I'd been there for a few hours, and his wife said, Look, um, would you like a coffee? And I said, It's probably not a good time to say no right now. So, yeah, I'll have a coffee. So I'll and he actually cracked up laughing. You know? And, and it makes, up until that point, he had been. So serious, and hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check out. And he actually had a laugh for a minute, so I knew it was a good sign. You know, and it's something that I take on board even in any serious situation. It, it's good just to check, inject a bit of humor. You know, I think that's where really the Aussie humour is quite good. Well, laugh in a situation where it's serious, and in some ways, it's a form of communication just to make sure, hey man, we're, you know, we're still alive, we've got things on track. I know, I definitely use it as a measure in, in this game of, of suicide. You know, in this challenge of trying to keep men alive. Because it's, it's really, it gives me an indicator as to where a man's mind is at. And I always tell people, no matter what, hey, never lose your sense of humor. It's so
2: important. Mm-hmm.
1: It can not only be a medicine, as you say, Jed, but it can also, you know, can mean the difference between life and death at times as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. I, and thank you for sharing that story. So, something you just said right there was, it kind of enlightened a question to me. And you said, in this effort to keep men alive, and it made me want to ask a really controversial question. Not that this is my position, but if a man is so committed to ending his life, why put so much effort towards keeping him alive? And, and that's a that's a opinion question. I want to hear from you.
1: Yeah, because that's that's my passion. That's my purpose in life is to keep men alive. You, you better be a strong man if you're determined to die when you when I'm sitting in front of you, because my stand for you to live is greater than than, than anything that you've got negatively. About you know your your issues with life or or your your commitment to ending your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm you know, I'm the vibration, and when I walk in the room, suicide disappears. Suicide doesn't like me, and like me walking in the room, mm. um, because it's uh, up until that point, you know, death does exist, and death's definitely on the cards for anybody that's suicidal until I walk in the room. That's what I'm yeah. committed to. That's the man that I want. So I, I have been in that space. I've been in that place where I wanted to take my life, and the impacts and the challenges on, on life that come against me for my mind to say, hey, I'm checking it out. So I don't fear it. I don't sit in there and I don't fear suicide at all in any shape or any form, um, regardless of where a person's at. Um, I've been in that place and in that space and I'm just so committed to men choosing life no matter the circumstances, no matter what's come. So that's, mm. that's me when I rock up in a room, brother, and, and wherever I walk in life.
0: I love that, man. I, I, I could see suicide cowering in your in your gigantic shadow over there, my man. Okay, so let me ask you this. Tell, tell us a little bit about your story. Tell us about the challenges that you faced that led you into your own depression and your own contemplation of suicide.
1: Yeah, uh, the most significant time was about 10 years ago when my marriage ended. And at that time, I I was removed from my house. I, I had a wife and four children. I remember the police coming to my house to remember me. They have what's called restraining orders here in Australia. Um, I got that served on me while I was still in my house and still with my wife, and it came as an absolute shock to me. And and at the time, I didn't really put you know sort of one and one together to make two. And um, that my wife had just left, and then the police came, and I was here with my my two sons, and and working on my car and servicing my car, and all of a sudden I'm being served with these papers to say that hey you you've got to leave your house. And it was like well hang on, my this is my house you've got this wrong and they said no no you've got to leave here's the paperwork you're going i said no no look you've got it wrong my name's on the mortgage this is literally my house so i learned an important important lesson of what you think you have you don't have in life right and there's some situations no matter what you are or who you believe you are that it doesn't apply so on that day and in that way i had to leave my house so it came as a significant shock to me so i went from kind of a a standard four-bedroom, two-bathroom house in Australia. That's sort of the normal-sized house here, Um, and a beautiful house to being in another house, which was like a men's refuge house, which are very few and far between, which was another experience immediately that I saw that there there wasn't much available for men. So I kind of go from the wooden floors, um, the beautiful house, to another house where I've got old carpet and I'm on a single bed, With uh, blankets, I'm not sure what you call them in America, but we call them blankets, and they were really itchy. And I'm sitting in this room thinking, how did my life get here? And I had two pictures that I have of my children. I still have them today. i have carried them with me everywhere I go. And they've got all scratches over them, and I scratched those the day that I had to put them in my four-wheel drive and, and leave my family. And I remember sitting there with a suitcase and a smaller bag and these two photos looking at them thinking, how did my life get here? I mean, it was probably the start of my worst nightmare at that time because I, the thing that I wanted the most, which was to be with my wife and children, I couldn't be. And I had the house and the cars and the possessions. And I realized at that time, another important lesson was possessions meant nothing to me because it wasn't the possessions that I, I wanted the most. I wanted my children and I wanted my wife and I wanted my marriage. And I couldn't have that, and it just broke my heart. And so I went through turmoil at that stage, not knowing how to be, not knowing where to look for help. I, I was going to church at that time, and that really didn't in any way, with no disrespect to, to church or to religion, but it just didn't support me in any way. I, you know, I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, but it didn't really help me as a man to be able to deal with the situation and reality as to what was happening. And so it was a real struggle. I got I got really, really depressed at that time. And that was probably the real first time in my life that I wanted to take my life. And because I couldn't, there was just so much pressure with the restraining orders and going through court and challenging them to get them down. And as determined as I was to get them down so I could see my wife at the time, she was determined to keep them up. Mm. And it was just such a struggle. And in between that, i got my children who at times I couldn't see because their mum wouldn't let me. And then when it suited her, she would let me see them. And then I had breached restraining order a couple of times through phone contact, which you weren't allowed at that time. Any contact, you're still not allowed at any time on a restraining order contact whatsoever. But it was really, really heartbreaking to have my children crying and saying, hey, Dad, they want to be with you. And I couldn't be with them. And it was, you know, the, the learning of something that men go through you know and that heartbreak of the breakdown of a relationship and you can see your children you can't you can when they say so you can't when they say so and it's just your mind and your whole way of being and your whole world is just a up and down Yeah. and you're impacted by it. And, it, and it just took its toll on me man and I wanted to take my life I remember the property where I was at was uh, lots and lots of trees uh, around it and I just got to the stage where I just thought you know fuck this I'm, I'm done I'm gonna I'm going to hang from one of those trees. I, I can't take this anymore. I couldn't turn my, my mind just would not turn off no matter what I tried. It just, it was on autopilot brother, and I couldn't stop it. And no matter what I tried. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, I think that's, that's definitely something that you know, I've never forgotten those experiences. Not that I stay connected to it, but I'm absolutely aware of what men go through when their mind won't stop, when they can't get out of it, when it's just looping out. Yeah. on autopilot and it's, and it's off the rails. It's got a pedal to the metal. it's flat to the floor. and You don't know how to stop it in any way. And I went through that challenge. I was uh, apart from my wife for 14 months and then we got back together again. And I stayed with her I think for another three months because for me, inside of all of that, I'd seen and observed so many relationships and marriages that are broken up and children that are left broken. And my parents are still married today. They're 43 years married and and, and loads and loads of my family are still married. So that was the picture, you know, once you, you're married, it's forever. Right. And so I was holding on to that. And if my marriage broke down, I wanted to demonstrate to my children that their father had done everything because I see so many friends and, and, and other family members and, and people in life that have so many hang-ups and they're impacted by the breakdown and divorce of their parents' marriage and I just wanted my children to know that I tried to save that and to keep that and to harness that in every way that I could and I did that I got back with my children one for three months and then it just wasn't working but I was in a different space I just knew I had to leave and for me it was hey this is done I've, I've tried everything that I could and leaving this marriage. And so that started me on another journey of re-establishing myself financially because in the marriage breakup, you've got to sell everything up. And I ended up doing FIFO, which is a fly-in, fly-out work here in Australia. It's in the mining industry, and the oil and gas industry. And I went up and I worked about 1,800 kilometers above from where I live now here in Perth and worked away for five and a half years. So I was away from my children, that time for 26 days at a time and back for nine. And then I met a girl up there, which was kind of three years after my marriage had broken down and ended up in another relationship. I'm not ended up, I chose to be in a relationship, but it was somebody that I I really loved and connected in a way that I've never connected with anybody. But unfortunately for me, Jenny, when I go back years before and seen the whole journey of my life, when I was young, I was sexually abused by a family member, uh, physically abused by my dad. And those are just things that happened in our culture. Those are things that exist in our culture today. That I'm so passionate about breaking and trying to have human beings and, and be be a different way in the way that we deal with things, I didn't realize the impact that those things had had on my life and my existence from the moment that I woke up every day.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I got in a relationship with another girl, but I still had all these fears and insecurities and these you Know the heartbreak and the, the story that I wasn't good enough, my marriage had broken down. I wanted to be a, a sports star and a, and a rugby league player. Rugby league is the game that you use, very similar to gridiron, but we don't have the pads and you don't have the helmet. Yeah, you just run into people more rugged and just do, it's, it's more rugged, brother. Yes, it's um, yeah, we don't muck around down here until you know, we roll. And um, you just try and hurt the it's my whole intent is to try and hurt the other man physically, and then afterwards you shake his hand, yeah, and say, Thanks for that. (laughs) And I wanted to be that, and I never made it. Mm -hmm. And so, for me, for so long, my identity I I felt was tied into that moment, and I was a failure. So, I had all this language in behind me saying, Hey, you failed at this, you failed at that, failed in your marriage, you're a failure, failure, failure. Again, I couldn't turn that story off, and it just ran every day in every way. And then it manifested in my relationship. You know, I had a massive gambling problem, drinking problem, drug problem. I didn't know how to speak and articulate myself I I didn't know how to tell my girlfriend who was absolutely in love with me, hey, I I don't feel that I'm the man that you see. Mm. I want to be that man, but I just am not capable of being that man right now. But don't leave me. You know, I can see that I'm I'm doing all these things that I'm struggling with, but I, I honestly, again, didn't know how to get out of it. I was like locked inside this prison inside my mind. And so eventually my relationship to her deteriorated. And then we ended up finishing.
2: Mm.
1: And I only reconnected with her last year and spoke to her about that time because we hadn't spoken for a couple of years. And she said to me, look, I didn't want to leave you because you said that you were going to kill yourself. And I honestly can't remember. It was a different type of depression that I got at that time. I remember crying and for no reason. I'd be driving in my car and just crying and getting emotional. And it was so up and down. It was a different type of depression that I got. And obviously she said, that I wanted to take my life. I don't remember saying that to her, but in no way do I question her on it. And so it was depression in a different way, but I think it was because my body and the, the lifestyle choices that I was making, drinking, drugs, gambling, it just took its toll and my body was in shut down mode and saying, Hey, I can't. Well,
0: let me, let me ask you, let me ask you about that for a second, Leon, because what I think you're describing in this, in, in, in your whole story has a lot of elements to it that other men will relate to. I mean, even myself, I can relate to feeling depressed. I can relate to feeling um, hopeless and feeling like, you know, drugs were just something I was going to use to numb myself. I've already talked about that here on the podcast and in other platforms before. And I know there's a lot of men out there who are suffering in that way. So let's, let's take a moment and just kind of dissect the mind of a man who is so depressed that he's willing to take his life. Like what, what, what does it really look like? What does the world look like from Batman's perspective?
1: I'm um, Total despair. Just, I've tried everything possible that I know to try. I've done everything. And no matter what I try, it doesn't work. I'm done. I've got, you know, when you say, Hey, you've got hope for another day. I've tried that. I've done it over and over again. My mind, you know, when I said that my mind had been going you try trying all these ways of being to try and be something other than what you are in that moment, to try and get out of it, to try and change it, try and control it, to, to whatever you can and whatever you can do to know to survive. And it just hasn't worked. And a man at that stage is just burnt out and done. And saying, so "There's, I can't possibly see another way. It's easier for us to look from the outside in and say, of course, there's another way. But what I learned was that I only did what I did from what I knew in life mm. up until that point, and I tried everything. I tried to speak to my wife in a different way because she said, hey, I don't like the way that you talk to me. Okay, well, I'll try that. But, well, that doesn't work. How do I know it doesn't work? Because I'm not with my wife. Mm. I would try not to drink. How do I know that didn't work? Well, because in times when I'd be stressed, it didn't matter what I did. I still drank. And then for me, you know, it would go into drugs and, and then, you know, gambling and I find other forms and, you know, everything that I tried just failed. And that's mm-hmm. where I think a man is at, you know, especially if it's in a, in a particular area as well too. Like for me, it was important to save my marriage. and I just wanted to be with that woman only at that time. And I tried everything that I possibly could and I brought so much significance to it and my mind was focused on that and my identity and everything that I thought I was was really poured into that marriage and into that person. And then when it didn't
0: work, you know, I, I was done. Mm. And that's, that's really interesting, man. Uh, do you find that? Cause, cause we're talking about something that affects people as young as like eight and nine years old. Like I, I've, I've heard stories of, of kids that are nine, 10, 11 years old that either have attempted suicide or succeeded. And to me, that's like, it's, I understand your story a little bit more, but I had like a 10 year old kid going through something like that. So is there like a common thread behind I'm not accomplishing what I think I'm set out to do, or I've tried everything just to fit in at school and it's not working, or I've tried everything to get out of debt and it's not working? Is, is there some some sort of mentality that everybody who's going through this can relate to?
1: I'm not 100% sure on that, brother. But one thing that I do know is that we are not being taught how to deal with any situation that comes up like that. You know, it's our inability to know what to do in those moments that is causing people to say, "Hey, I'm out, I'm done. There is no other way." Mm. You know, I relate to it as being it's just a human experience. You know, that's just a part of being a human being that we go through those mm. sorts of challenges in life. There's so many factors. For me, you know, the impact of sexual abuse. My way of being was I hit it and I smiled, and everything was okay. No matter the situation in life, I would smile, and it would appear to be uh, I would appear. That everything was okay no matter what and I didn't know any other way to be for me that was my survival mechanism that hey you're holding on to the secret And I would try and have life look a certain way, no matter what was going on in the background. So that was the impact on me. But that's the way that I chose to survive that with Mm. the physical abuse. Again, you know, that's something that I used was the humour and the stuff to smile and say, "Hey, that's okay, no matter how I felt." And the impact that that had on me, as I have come to learn, even in the last couple of years, the impact of the physical abuse, where when there was a verbal escalation of of a conversation, I would actually start to shake. And I didn't know where that came from. Then I realized, well, that was anxiety and and it came from my childhood experiences and threats that I was imagining in my mind as an adult. And that that didn't exist, but that that was my experience. So that was the way that I cope. Other people aren't coping as such. And I I think for whatever reason, you know, with them taking their lives, there's just at that moment and that time, there's so many factors that a so important person is at that stage is that they, there's nothing around them other than the only answer they can see is to take their life, but there's nobody else that's able to interrupt that story or to be there as a support mm. for them. And they're, for whatever reason, you know, they're, they're choosing to take their lives. It's it's just so hard to know. But now all I can do for myself is and person comes to it really just one sort of situation, I think it's an accumulation of things that happen and impact a person's mind and their way of thinking at that time and like I say the key thing that I do see though is the fact that we're not showing people how to get past that point or well, we are now by creating conversations like this and giving people hope that there are other ways of doing things and and there are ways that you can still live and choose life
0: right right man and so, so what worked for you what helped? What helped you find your way out of that time in your life?
1: A friend. I had some really great friends. I two men that I loved so much, and they were straight up. They were absolutely flat straight up. They didn't put in my pocket to use a, as a, a saying down down under. And I remember ringing my friend, and I told him one day, "I'm I'm out. I'm done. I, I can't I can't do this anymore." And I said, "I'm going to kill myself." And he yelled down the phone and, he, you know, he yelled and he said, no, you're fucking not. Um, and it shook my being, like the way that he said it to me, like shocked me. And he said, you're not going to do this. You've got children to live for.
2: Mm. You
1: know, you've still got life in you. He immediately came around my house that day immediately and got me out of the house. When I touched upon that man earlier when I said I went to his house, i got a call at work, so I went immediately there. You tell there's times and situations where you've got to read the plate, And I, I read it at that time that, I, hey, I had to get around to this house. So he came around, my friend, and he got me out of the house at that time, which is a great thing, which I still do today get people if they're in a suicidal state and then try and get them out of that environment so you can alter the vibration and alter their way of thinking and get them out of that loop that's going on at that time. But I had another great friend as well and he had been through challenges and really having conversations like this with those men all the time had me understand that I could get out of it, that there are other ways. So that's why these are so important. But I had two great friends at that time that were a stand for me living. Mm. And one of the things that one of my friends in particular did was... He gave me a plan, which he came around my house almost daily to get me out of the house. Mm. Made a massive difference because when I was depressed and in that suicidal mindset, I just wanted to stay in that particular pattern of thought, and nothing changes. I'd go from the you know from the lounge watching TV to have a shower to eating. I would hardly go out. I, I may go down the shops to get some more food, but then it was straight back in in the space that I, I was in, and I stayed locked in for him to come around there, he interrupted that and altered it. And I would get out and uh, it didn't matter. He wasn't taking no for an answer. Mm. So even if I didn't want to go out, then he would bring a coffee to my house Mm -hmm. and he would have something, you know, something change and be different to the way that I was at that time. So that really started it for me. And I think at that time too, when I could start to see changes, she was still my wife at the time. And I had that hope of getting back with her. I was so fixed on wanting to get back with her that I was able to eventually do it
2: Mm. and
1: get back with her. So that really did uh, help me. And then later on, obviously, I was in a different mindset, but then I chose to not stay in the marriage because I could see that it just wasn't um, healthy for me at that time. But that, those are the significant things and that's why it's so important for me and who I declare myself to be, Jet. And when I say to you, hey, when I walk in a room, suicide disappears, suicide fears me because I've seen the power and the impact that a man can have in that space when he walks into that place, declaring who he is when a person's mind is in a certain way. Death, 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 death. I don't want to live. I don't want to live up until that point till I walk in a room and I'm saying, hey, choose life, brother. We've still got life in us. I don't care the situation. Mm. I don't care where your mind's at. I don't care what circumstances life looks like It's thrown at you. and You can't see any other way. I'm here to tell you there is another way to live and survive in this life.
0: Mm. That's so powerful, man. I love hearing you say those words. And I I know this is also relevant to men who haven't hit that rock bottom, men who haven't gotten to the point of, they're ready to choose suicide, even just feeling depressed or feeling like, you know, you messed up somewhere along the way and you got off course, there is that patterning that we can get into, that story that runs on repeat in our heads that keeps knocking us down, that keeps us from breaking out into our purpose and into what we're really here to do. So I love that you speak about being a disruption, and I think that's a great way for other people supporting men or women or anybody who's stuck in that place to step in, be a disruption, and show them something different. And I'm also hearing that the consistency, because I know when I was in that place, I had to look at it like I was chipping away at the block, like little by little every day. It's not like you're going to change your whole story overnight, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, you're so right. Yeah. And and that's why I say, you know, when I referred to earlier about being the stand, when somebody's choosing to take their life, they better be better than what I am, because I'm a stand that you choose life. And when you talk about being consistent, that's exactly what I am when I walk into a space. Man, you better be consistent because I'm there every day. You know, you ain't going to change my mind. I've been to that place in that space where I wanted to take my life. I know there's nothing but death there and there's nothing but I don't care what suicide tells a person and the story that it's trying to happen them to believe. I absolutely know without doubt that it's bullshit. I know that it's bullshit based upon this experience that I'm having right now in this moment of life that I'm sharing with you to be on this podcast because I can promise you when I was in that space, I never, ever foresaw that I would be on a podcast and be the first Australian Kiwi on the podcast in America, <laughs> which, is, which is awesome. You know, but these are these funny moments where we can laugh, brother, and I never foresaw that. In that time in my life, I was all better off. It's done. There's nothing to live for. This sets me on fire. So i just consistent at being that way. I'll declare it wherever I am. It's so the same thing. Be consistent. Be powerful you know, who we are and who we be. And that's why That's why I just love this stuff. I love the creation of us men getting together and, and talking. And, and I really, you know, for men that are listening to our podcast right now, take that on as an action. Declare who we be. We're life. We're choosing life, man. We're life brothers. We're love warriors wherever we walk in life. And we need to get that message out there. And because, you know, when we look at it, If a person's consistently in the mindset that, hey, I'm going to check out and life is not worth living, and they believe that as their narrative over and over again, unless something else comes in and interjects or intersects that sort of mindset or that conversation that's happening, then eventually they're going to end up there. When you talk about consistency, when we look at a probable almost certain future for anybody, when I looked at mine with drinking, drugs, gambling, lying, cheating, not looking after my body, not looking after my mind, it is any wonder that my body at some stage or my mind, the most important thing in me as a human being was going to shut down at some stage or be impacted with, hey, I can't take this any longer. So that's why we make lifestyle choice changes, hey, the way that we eat, the way that we speak, the way that we treat our body and all those things. Now, obviously, when we can turn that around and introduce that into our lives, it's going to have a, a different effect. Mm-hmm. But if we're in a mindset of, of negative or making negative choices, a lot of people get surprised you know, and think, well, how did my life end up here? Mm-hmm. Like me sitting in that room that day when I was in that house going, how did my life get here? Well, Leon, if you're really honest about the way that your life got here, it got here because of the choices that I had made up until that point. Yeah. And there were choices at times to be inappropriate. There were choices to be abusive. There were choices to not make healthy decisions for my life and my wife and my children and just in my existence. Based upon the experiences that i had had in life, I only knew what to do at that time. So I was only doing what I knew what to do, but it events rather to me being in a place where I didn't want to be.
0: Right, right. And it's awesome, man. I, I love what you're sharing here. I know there's going to be so many people who are listening to this that'll get a lot of value and And I hope that also any men who are in a similar place of feeling stuck or hopeless can hear the inspiration in Leon's story because there's so many men out there who have been in that dark place, that hopeless place. And and it just takes the disruption, disrupting the narrative to turn everything around. And so I wanna use this as an opportunity to segue into what you're doing right now that I'm so, so excited about with the Haka. And for anybody who's listening, if you haven't seen it yet, just uh, I'll put I'll put a link in the show notes with Leon doing his thing. But I know there's videos out there that have gotten millions and millions of views just because when you witness the men doing the haka together, it's powerful. It, I know for me, it evokes an emotional, it, make, it literally makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up and it makes my body start to tremble. So can you just tell us a little bit about the history behind the haka? What it's for, what the meaning behind it is so we understand it and then tell us how you're using that to support men in preventing suicide?
1: Yeah, the origins of it was first performed as a a war dance, as a challenge to other war parties that basically, hey, I'm going to kill you, right? This This is me laying out a challenge as a man to another man or to another party that this is what's about to take place. If you're coming here to challenge me, I'm about to hurt you with everything that I am and everything that I can be. And then over the years, though, haka has developed. I mean, for a lot of people, they might know the All Blacks. That's probably been the biggest exponent of getting the haka worldwide. There's been our rugby team in New Zealand, who have been the world's best rugby team for the best part of a century. And they've really developed the power of the haka, and a lot of people get to see that worldwide. But as that's been happening, not only on the rugby field, but also in life, the way that haka is delivered has probably changed as well where at one time it was a challenge as a war dance in a negative way to, to another party. Now it's developed into a form of expression where you can not only perform a hacker as a challenge to other parties, not, not necessarily obviously these days to kill anybody, but as a challenge from a, in a sporting contest, as a challenge to other parties that are coming into whatever space that you create, but also as an expression of love too, and an expression of a way that I am as a man and that's the part that I've really taken on to use in the way that I do my haka for life. So what we're seeing these days is that there's so many different hakas that people are using this form of haka to express ourselves. I believe it to be the most powerful form of expression there is that exists, and I may be totally wrong, but that's just how I feel about it. So when I'm expressing myself with a haka, it is literally everything that you have and that I, you can be or I can be at that time to express myself. And it's so, so powerful in its expression because it alters the vibration, it alters the frequency that exists in that space. And for me, on a personal level, it was to break the stigma of silence that men die in silence, that they are suiciding in silence. And when a haka is performed, silence does not exist. The opposite of silence exists. But the great thing about it is that it is a man that is using the haka to express himself. So I'm Trying to, in that moment, demonstrate to men that this is what you can cause when you're fully self-expressed. So this is the power that a man can generate. Now, inside of that, for me, Jerry, I'm Maori origin. So from New Zealand, where the the indigenous people of New Zealand is the Maori people. I can't speak my native tongue fluently. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the culture when I was young and then my mum had us come away. She chose a, a religion that had us go away from our culture. And so in a lot of ways, I wasn't able to be connected. It was right there, but I wasn't able to join it because of the religious beliefs. But then I never stopped loving it. So I always wanted to lead a haka and, and be a part of that. And, and then I got connected as a, you know, the man I am today. And I had so much of the story about, oh, look, I can't speak fluently. I'm not a part of a couple a haka group, so a group that actually performs haka, even though I've known some of the hackers that exist. And it's significant because those can be things that stop us as men in life to say, hey, I'm not an expert in this area. I don't quite have the qualifications or I don't have the experience or the background. And it can start a a negative narrative for us as well. Hey, guess what? I chucked that to the garbage can to use an American expression. Is that right? The garbage can or the trash can?
0: (laughs) Toss it in the trash. There you go. Toss
1: that in the (laughs) trash, man. And I thought, hey, I'm going to do this because of my stand for life. I've found the form of communication that I can use to express as a demonstration of men that says, hey, you might have all these reasons why you can't be somebody in life, but you can still be it. I'm telling you, it's bullshit. I'm telling you, don't believe it. I'm telling you that I don't know my native tongue fluently, but I'm not going to let that stop me. I'm going to get up here and I'm going to be fully self-expressed no matter what. Mm. And in being that way, I'm going to believe that people are going to come and stand beside me as well.
2: Mm.
1: So that's why I use the power of the haka for life. It is a number of things. It's to break the stigma of silence. Whenever a haka is performed, silence does not exist. And if you've ever had the opportunity to experience the power of haka, especially in a big group, even as an individual, but in a big group, it has a massive impact on changing the vibration and the frequency that exists in that space. But it's a demonstration of men all over the world it's not only a form of communication that we use as mighty people. For me, it's different again because I'm opening it to people of all nations and all cultures as a form of communication to use. So that's what's probably different to the message that I use within it. I believe it's a form of communication for, for human beings, for humanity that we can share.
0: Mm. And that's why. It's- and, that, and that's where you and I connected. When I saw your video, I just reached out to you and I said, man, I've had a vision of men being able to express themselves this way and I immediately connected to the work that you were doing because in my experience as a man myself and what I've witnessed in the men that I work with is that we're taught or we learn that expressing anger or this this masculine energy that we have is not safe, it's dangerous, it's irresponsible, it's reckless, it's going to hurt people so instead we internalize it. And I've seen so many problems arise for men. Stress, anxiety, depression, all the things we're talking about here arise because men are suppressing these energies instead of expressing these energies. And so watching what you're doing with the haka is so inspiring, man. And I'd love to hear your take on this. How how do you think the haka and and spreading the message of the haka for life can change the world?
1: I I believe it can change the world because it has men be a way that they're not normally fully self-expressed. Yes, It makes you uncomfortable. There's so many layers underneath it, Jed, that people see that. You may you may watch the video for these people that are going to now watch click on the link that Jed's going to put up, and you'll see that there and think that, hey, oh, well, they're that way all the time. This is why I'm sharing my story and saying, hey, the man that you're going to see when you click on the link doesn't know his, his native tongue fluently. I wasn't connected to it when I was younger. I was, I was brought away from it, and I've just created it and gone out there and been it. And I'm saying to people, we can all be this way. And I create that space for us, no matter what culture or race or background that you come from, hey, this is a form of communication that you can learn and that you can be a part of. And that's what I want to take around the world, to use that haka in every space and every way. It is so powerful, so powerful when when people fully express themselves and there's layers underneath that, which is probably people can't see at this stage, but the layers underneath that is growing men, Mm. is sharing in this way, is sharing to a stage in a space where I can create a space where being vulnerable and saying, hey, this is who I was, these are the challenges that I have even today as a man, but I'm still going to put my mind to being this person. No matter what the circumstances are, I can still be everything that I dream of being. And I want men to realize that and to take that and embrace that. And you make a great point about the expression, you know, when we're containing our masculine energy and we don't know how to be and you can't be angry and you can't be this and you can't be that. This is a controlled expression fully expressed in the most masculine way that I can be, but it's controlled and I can pour out every bit of energy that I can to demonstrate to you Jed, or to any other person in this world that I love them. And this is how I feel.
2: Mm. And
1: then I can come back to being me still underneath all of that. And I haven't had a negative impact on anybody and it's been positive. It absolutely alters the space, man. So I'm so determined to take that around the world. I've had invitations for, you know, to come to America. So I'm, you know, part of this conversation and this podcast is to create opportunities where we can bring this. And our message underneath it, though, is to have men talk and to be a different way and to be vulnerable and to share and to open up and then, you know, to use that hacker as a platform to alter. Because what I love is seeing a man that is fully expressed. It is so powerful. It is so natural. You know, it, it has become so unnatural for us to see a man fully expressed that people don't know what a man looks like fully expressed. And but what I'm seeing in life is when a man has fully expressed that people are going, wow, that's that's incredible. And that's what I want to be able to create for these children that we talked about earlier that are taking their lives and are saying, hey, I can't be this way. That no matter what you are, no matter your challenges, no matter your circumstances, no matter the story that you've told yourself up until this point, you can absolutely alter it as a human being you are. And we can express this way of being. And we can create conversations like this because this is what's come from it as well, is that i become become comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> I love this. I love getting here and sharing. And and that's what it has you be. Really, we're just returning human beings back to being human beings, not the protected species that we've been created with through the challenges in life these days where we're impacted so negatively that, hey, this is the picture that you should be. And what we're seeing through suicide rates around the world is that human beings aren't coping with the way that life exists. So I'm all for, hey, let's break down the barriers, brother. Let's be fully self-expressed. Yeah. Let's show the world everything that we are and see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that, that that can absolutely alter the world.
0: Absolutely, man.
1: And save lives, more importantly, save lives.
0: Yeah, man, I, I, fully, I fully believe in your mission and your vision and agree that this is the way. I, I love what you said there. I, I can't wait to throw this up and and quote you on it, that people don't know what it's like to see a fully expressed man. And I believe that that is so, so true. So, so true. Even, Even men who are in quote unquote positions of power or leadership, I don't really think we're getting the fullness of that man's expression. At least rarely do we ever get that. So I love your mission, I love your purpose, and fully, fully endorse and support what you're doing, man. We'll give you an opportunity in a second here to tell everybody how to follow you and how to you know, support the movement. I'm, I'm, we're gonna get you out here in the States, man, within the next year, I guarantee it. We're oh, gonna no, make no, it happen one way or the other. i be
1: excited.
0: Let me ask you this, man. Um, as we start to wrap up here on this particular uh, episode of this conversation, let me ask you a few things. First of all, what is one thing that you know now that you wish you knew back when you were 18?
1: That it's okay to be me. Mm. That I'm a beautiful human being. Mm. There was nothing about me that needed a change. Yes. Because I, so, I tried for so long to change the person that I was, I didn't know how to be.
0: Right on, man. I love that. If
1: there's something wrong with me, there's nothing wrong with me.
0: That's right, man. I I hope that there's more young people that get to hear that and really take that on and believe it to be true. Um, Okay, cool. So let me ask you this. What do you think are some of the most important values, some of the most critical values for a man in the modern world to have?
1: Be teachable. Uh, Number one, no matter the circumstances, be teachable. We can be a certain way and get hardened by the challenges in life and not listen. And when I say be teachable, it's because then we are open to listening and to taking things on board. It's not healthy. When I said, you know, there's a certain way that we be and consistently negative, and when you consistently don't listen to people and you don't allow people to be a contribution, then we'll only know that way. And if my Mm. circumstances in life are showing me that, hey, that way doesn't work or it's not effective, then it's probably a great thing to be open to learning. So that's definitely one thing I am in my life, no matter what situation No matter where I'm at, I always am teachable, remain teachable. Mm. Acknowledge yourself is another great practice that I took on board. For many years, I observed the negative conversations that I was having about myself. I acknowledge myself daily. Hey, Leon, so great that you honored your word to be on this podcast with Jenny. Leon, so great that you prepared your body before you got here and your mind is in a great place to be able to have these situations. And so acknowledgement is a huge thing that I take on as a practice because we don't acknowledge ourselves enough as men. So acknowledgement and being teachable and obviously um, have a sense of humor, man. Laugh in every situation. It's always good. no matter the circumstance. <laughs> Even when sometimes it's inappropriate to laugh, I still laugh. Even my family knows me as, <laughs> and they go, oh, bro, you can't say that. You know, it's okay. It's, so uh, always, always find the lighter Uh-oh. side of life because that's a beautiful side of men that we don't see. Men are great comedians. Men have great humor, man. And and we can all laugh, you know, everybody can make a joke. So take those things on.
0: (laughs) I love that, man. One One of the pieces of advice that my dad gave me that sticks with me, has stuck with me my whole life is he says, always make sure you surround yourself with people who will give you a good belly laugh. You know what, by belly laugh, like the, the kind that make you laugh so hard that your stomach hurts? Oh, yeah. He said, always make sure you surround yourself with people like that. So I, I can tell you're one of those people, Leon. I think I'll keep you around, man.
1: Thanks, brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, hey, you <laughs> touched on a great point. Um, there's another thing that I've learned too is, you know, know your tribe. The people around you is so, so important. That's definitely something I've taken on in my life to see that it's so important, the people that you have around you. And there's people in my life that I no longer see, not because I don't love them, but they, they, Definitely don't impact my um, vibration in a positive way. Right. So choose your people; it's so important. And and ask somebody a simple thing. I asked a friend recently, a couple of friends, is like, "Hey, um, I want to expand my my circle of friends, and I really value you. Can you be my friend?" You know, it sounds kind of crazy, uh, but of course, <laughs> you know, I want to connect with you and be around you. I love the impact that you're having and they were—they both said yes, which was great. But, you know, even in simple conversations at times, you don't know how to have a conversation. So that's all I did right. was ask them and they said
2: yes.
0: Nice, man. I, I love that. I love that. And uh, I fully support that one, too. You know, surround yourself with the people who raise your vibration, not people who disrupt it. I love that. And OK, man, cool. So right, right before we wrap up, how can the people who are listening follow you? How can they support Haka for Life. Give us the social media links. Give us the websites, wherever you want us to go to find you, follow you, and support you.
1: Yeah, great stuff. Now, the biggest medium that I've got at this stage is Haka for Life, H-A-K-A-F-O-R-L-I-F-E on Facebook. That's my biggest medium that I promote off. Leon Ruri on Facebook, L-E-O-N-R-U-R-I. I've got a some space for some more Facebook friends. I'll take on anybody. It's great stuff. I like our page on Facebook. I've got org, and recently, that's our website, recently i brought on some directors. You know, there's things, what I was saying in my journey, there's things that I, I know that I can't do in life, and one of the great things was business development. I'm an ideas man. I've got a very creative mind, but I've got some friends around me, and one of them was the person that I asked. He's a Harvard graduate, so he's very you know, he's got the background, he's been in America there. That excited me too. So like, wow. Um, so I've got him on as a director to get his experience and expertise in life to help grow this and what I'm doing. So it's in its infant stages at the moment, but it's getting so much that the message is so powerful. We've had loads and loads of media exposure. It's like over 15 million views um, from our two huckers that were performed and the message is really getting out there and growing. So if you could jump on those mediums, um, Huckle for Life on Facebook, like our page and share it and tell your friends, tune in. I do a Friday Night Promise where it's a measure of me keeping my word every Friday. And Tuesday, actually, I'm starting my first Tuesday uh, video up today nice. and I'm going to choose specific topics to talk about um, as a man to grow that. So that's where I'd love you to connect onto and, and just share it and you know, for yourself when you're listening to the messages that I create there, just know that that can be you. I was a man that, as I've shared my story today, I don't have an academic background. I left school when I was 16, but my marks were very low. But it doesn't impact the man that I am today. Even that I've seen, that you don't have to be an academic person to succeed in life. Today, just be you.
0: Right, brother. Beautiful, man. Well, I'll make sure that everybody gets the links in the show notes. So if they want to track you down, they'll be able to. And uh, hey, man, I'm looking forward to getting you out here. Mark my words. Within a year, we'll have you on American soil by hell or high water will make it happen, man.
1: Oh, I love it. Hey, and I want to share that um, the American accent is my favorite accent of all the accents, you
0: know. What accent? What are you talking about?
1: (laughs) I love it. And I've always loved America. And I I can share this with you. Thank you for declaring that. And I'm in total agreement with it and acknowledge that declaration. I'm totally aligned with that, brother. And I, I just want to acknowledge you being the man that you are being, because this is only possible because you're being who you be in this world as the vibration that you are and this is bringing life to me and to create conversations like this. I acknowledge you. I love you so much. Um, thank you for allowing me to connect. Thank you for allowing me to be the first Aussie, even though I'm from New Zealand. That's just one up. I can say to the Aussies, hey, I was the first Aussie, and I'll say, you're a Kiwi. And I'll say, yeah, but I'm still Aussie. <laughs> so it'll... it'll They'll hate it, and it's good. You know, so I can, I can rib them. I can, you know. I don't know what this expression is in America, but down here for all those listening down under, I'm, I'm ribbing the brothers. They know what it means, and I'm the first Aussie on a Kiwi that's on this podcast, and I'm so proud.
0: <laughs> oh man! Well, listen, dude, I, I love you too, brother. Thank you for bringing your energy and your humor and your wisdom, and uh, I look forward to getting you on here again sometime. Thank you, brother. What a beautiful man and a beautiful spirit. I love, 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 love Leon's mission and his energy. Honestly, this is one of the most fun conversations that I've had up to this point because Leon had me laughing the whole time. And I know you guys can't see his face when you're listening to him, but trust me, he was smiling from ear to ear pretty much the entire episode. So, you know, one of my biggest takeaways from this one is just the element of humor and how in Aussie culture, humor and playfulness is such a high value. And I know for me, that's been one of my greatest challenges to live into in this life. So, even bringing bringing humor into a room where a man is considering suicide, like that to me is is extremely powerful. And I think if we all learned how to play, how to not be so serious, how to not take life so seriously anymore, and and still take it's, it's still care. It's not about not caring, but it's about not making everything mean so much. That we get depressed and we feel anxious and we get stressed out in our lives. Let's enjoy life more. What do you say? You guys with me? Because I'm, I'm committed to doing it myself. All right. So if you guys are listening to these podcasts or if you're just sitting on your computer, you're the type of person who runs through self-help books, self-help podcasts, watching video after video after video, and you're starting to get some of the messages and they're opening these awarenesses in you, but you don't know what to do with it. (laughs) You don't know how to take action on behalf of yourself. You're not sure how to break through the walls and the barriers that you constructed in your life up to this point. Send me a message on Facebook Messenger. Just look me up, Jetty Azuma, or hit me with an email, jettyazuma at gmail.com. I want to be your ally in the fight. I want to make sure that you have access to resources, that you have the breakthroughs, the insights that you need to keep moving forward because that is my mission. Every single man on this planet awake and in his purpose. So don't hesitate. I mean it. Reach out. I've had so many men reaching out to me recently since I started to announce this. So please continue to do that. I love getting messages from you guys. Also, check out the show notes for links and resources pertaining to this episode and others at TheRisingManPodcast.com. Subscribe and leave a review on the app of your choice. And if you do snap a screenshot, tag me in it, send it to TheRisingManPodcast at gmail.com. I told you guys, it's coming up. I decided I'm going to align it with the three-month anniversary. You're going to have a tremendous event for the first time and likely to be many times afterwards for the guys who have been really supporting this podcast. Those of you who have been shouting it out, sharing it up, adding guys to the Rising Man Facebook group, you guys are going to get rewarded for your support of this podcast with a special invitation from me that will be coming out within the next week. The reason that I ask for this type of support for you guys to subscribe and leave reviews is because this is how men who are considering whether or not to listen, get hooked. When they see the impact that this podcast has had on another man, they're more inclined to click and to check it out. And you know how it is. When you hear that first episode that really speaks to you, that really catches you and lights you on fire, you're hooked. And that's the idea here, guys, is we're creating a global community of men who are lit up, who are on their purpose, and who are living a powerful life in this world. Because that's the way that we can change the world. One man at a time. Also, if you are not yet a part of the Rising Man Facebook community, don't wait any longer. Go to facebook.com slash group slash the rising man. Sign up today. And if you're already in there, invite a brother or two because we want to make this thing grow. The world is a big place. We got billions of men out there. We got to make sure we cover all of them. So make sure you start sharing it up, sending podcasts into your friends' inboxes, getting everybody involved. Let's make the Rising Man pop. In the summertime, we are going to eclipse. I'm going to say it right here on this episode. I want to make it over 3,000 men by the end of summer. Let's call it September 21st. 3,000 men in the Rising Man Facebook group so we can really get this movement pumping. All right, reach out to us on Instagram at the rising man pod or my personal Instagram at Jetty Azuma. Shout out to Sean Offenbach over at Infinite Melodics. Sean is the man who has been working double time this month to make all these amazing episodes happen, especially in the month of June with Father's Month being celebrated. Sean, I appreciate you, brother. You are a true professional and an amazing, amazing artist with these episodes, making it sound so good every single time. Go check him out. Shoot him some love. Sean Offenbach at Infinite Melodics. And until next time, everybody, rise up and claim your destiny.